This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Today's message is entitled, Healing and the Power of Prayer. James chapter 5, verses 13 to 20, speak to us about healing and the power of earnest prayer. There are three things from this passage we're going to learn. We're going to learn spiritual ways to respond to life. You know, life happens, and there's good, there's bad, and there's the ugly. And we need to know how to respond to these things that happen in our lives. We also need to learn how to respond to serious sickness. What do we do when we have a mystery illness? When we have something that is just... uh, threatening to end our lives. Perhaps we are uh, in a circumstance that uh, is beyond what we've ever experienced and we need help. What do we do? And then the third thing we're going to learn today is that God heals and forgives in response to earnest prayer according to his will. Let me add that caveat, according to his will, because we can never force God's hand. And we don't know all the details. God does. God is omniscient, meaning he knows everything. So is it best for someone to be spared and have their lives extended? Or is it best for that person to go on home to be with Jesus? God knows, and we need to trust him. Let's look then at this passage, James chapter 5, and we see in verses 13 and 14, the first part of 14, that the spiritual ways to respond to life's issues. It says, is anyone happy? Excuse me, is anyone among you in trouble? James 5.13, let them pray. Then it says, is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Isn't this interesting? That the proper response, spiritually speaking, to life's circumstances can be boiled down to prayer and praise. We are to pray without ceasing. That is, we are to have an ongoing conversation with our Lord talking to him about everything. I wake up in the morning and say, good morning, Lord. I talk to him about what I'm going to face throughout my day as I go through the Lord's Prayer and I come to the part, give us this day our daily bread. When you come to that part, give us this day our daily bread, a blank check is opening up in front of you, signed Jesus Christ. And you are being invited every day to fill in the amount you need for that day. Give us this day our daily sustenance. What do I need today to get through this day? So I walk through the day as I'm praying. I say, Lord, you know, please give me strength as I teach Sunday school. Give me your anointing as I preach your word. You know, bless my time with Shirley uh, in the afternoon and all these things. I just kind of look through my day before I go through that day in prayer. Of course, I pray for my family and my grandkids. The beauty of it is God has welcomed us into an intimate, vibrant, personal relationship with him. It's an ongoing dynamic both to talk to him in prayer, but also to listen to him, because he does speak today. He speaks through his word, he speaks through other people, he speaks through circumstances, 
He speaks in different ways that lets us know he's there. And when you're going through trouble, you need to really spend time in prayer. Paul puts it this way in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. He says, do not be anxious. Now notice the all-inclusiveness. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation we are to pray. And he mentions several kinds of prayers. By prayer, which is asking. By petition, which is continually asking. With thanksgiving, which is having a grateful heart when you pray, you are to present your requests to God. So whatever kinds of prayers you pray, simple, simple asking. The word petition is the same word for Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed so fervently that he perspired blood. That's intense stress that he was offloading to God the Father. So whether it's simple asking or intense offloading of stress, we are to bring all of our prayers with an attitude of thankfulness with an attitude of anticipation that God loves us and cares for us. He hears us and he's going to answer us. With that spirit of thankfulness, we are to present whatever's going on to God. And we make an exchange. And this is the best deal in the world. Some people say that their favorite four-letter word is S-A-L-E, sale. And this is the best deal you can ever imagine because you get to exchange your anxiety, your problems, your struggles for God's peace. You got the better end of that deal. You gave him all the junk and he gave you all the benefits of peace and solace and calmness and contentedness. The peace of God which transcends all understanding. I don't even get it. I don't even know how to explain it. I don't understand it at all. That peace, I should be worried sick. I should be having a panic attack at this point. But no, I've got supernatural peace that is guarding my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus my Lord. My heart and my mind are going in two different directions and they're literally tearing me apart. They're just ripping me from the top to the bottom because I'm so racked with anxiety. I'm so racked with worries. I'm so racked with fear. But when I give God my prayers, my concerns, my requests, my struggles, he holds me together. He holds me intact. He keeps me in his peace because I'm focused on him. That's what God wants us to do when we are in trouble, we're to pray. And when we are happy, we're to praise. Whether it's a song, whether it's uh, simply rejoicing on the character of God and his glorious names, the meaning of his names, whether it's uh, acknowledging him for what he's done, we're to praise him. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord. You are joyful, sing. And when you sing, you're praying twice. So it's a great thing to praise the Lord. Now, having covered these two sides of life's coin, the times when you're in trouble and the times when you're happy, James focuses then on what do you do when you're really sick? How to respond in serious sickness. James 5, 13 to 14a says, Is anyone among you sick? 
let him call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. I want you to know that in my 45 years of ministry, I have practiced this divine prescription. This is a divine prescription. There was a beautiful girl who ate hamburgers on the 4th of July that her grandfather had cooked, but he had not cooked them thoroughly. They were raw. And she got E. coli from eating those hamburgers. And she was in the ICU pediatrics unit full of tubes lying there, dying, as the E. coli was just eating away at her brain and her, at her body. And I saw her and I was moved with compassion because I had a, a kid at that same age. It could be my kid. And it was just so heart-rendering. But I said to the dad, I said, you have all sorts of medical care for your daughter, but there's one thing you have not done yet. He's like, what's that? I would do anything. The divine prescription in the Bible says, if anyone is sick, let him call for the elders to pray for them. And so he said, yes, I call for the elders. May they come and pray for my daughter. And so five of us elders went into that pediatric ICU unit and we surrounded this precious little girl and we anointed her with oil in the name of Jesus. We made a cross with oil right on her forehead. And you know, oil is a symbol of two things. Oil is a symbol of medicine, and oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So we are to use all the resources that God has provided for our healing. Yes, medicine and doctors and, and that kind of care is legit and a gift from God. We're so thankful for the advancements that there have been, but we rely ultimately on the great physician. We rely upon him for divine healing by his Holy Spirit. So we anointed her with oil on her forehead and the five of us prayed around her bed and the radiologist had said to the dad she has infarcations infarcations means pockets of water in her brain where she used to have healthy brain cells she just had water pockets and they were encouraging to unplug her and let her die. After we prayed, the next day, the head of radiology came to the dad and said, we made a mistake. She doesn't have infarcation. She has some brain, uh, some cells that have died in her brain, but they're not infarcations. And they unplugged her and she made a miraculous recovery. But the nurses and doctors had given up on her, and they didn't put shoes on her feet. And when you don't keep shoes on a person's foot, in their foot, they curl. So to this day, she walks on curled feet because of the people not having any hope for her. But she's alive. She's an adult now, and she's thriving. And I give all the glory to God. Why? Because we practiced God's prescription. How many times have I prayed with elders for people who have been very sick? Hundreds of times. So many times that I said to this one man, as I was anointing him with oil, I said, I have found through my many years of doing this that God seems to answer within 14 days. Now, let's not hold him to that, but that seems to be the pattern. 14 days exactly to after I anointed him, he died. But you know what? That was an answer to prayer. He received ultimate and complete healing in the presence of the Lord. And that was God's will. And that's okay. We shouldn't beat ourselves up 
that we didn't have enough faith, we should trust that God's sovereign and that he decides what a person's future is going to be like. But he gives us this invitation. He gives us this prescription. He says, when there's something going on, pray. And I can tell you story after story, of mystery illnesses where God revealed to somebody that it was a rare blood disease that was going on, and that was really the root of the problem. God is a revealer of mysteries. Remember, he revealed the mystery to Daniel about the king's uh, dream. He can do that today. He can reveal mysteries. So we turn to God, we pray, and notice in this prayer process, it says, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. So the elders anoint with oil. They pray a prayer in faith. And I want you to know, when we're laying hands on a person sitting on a chair or they're in a bed, and we pray for them, that person feels so loved. Why? Because people are giving them care. People are touching them with heart hearts that say, we want the best for you. And I often say at the very end, would you give a prayer of thanks? And the person who's been prayed for often has tears. And I say, and they say, thank you so much for the love that I'm receiving. And thank you, God, that you hear this prayer. And I pray it too. Your will be done. It's a beautiful thing. But you know, sometimes a person is in a sick situation because of sin. Now, sin is not the cause of illness, that is in personal sin. John chapter 9, Jesus was asked by his disciples, who sinned that this man should be born um, blind from birth? Was it him or his parents? And Jesus said, neither. But this person's serious illness of being blind from birth is to be used for the glory of God because Jesus healed him and he gave testimony to the religious leaders over and over and over again that it was Jesus that healed him. So not all sin is, uh, not all sickness is sin-based, although the reason there is sickness in the world is because humans rebelled against God. When Adam and Eve took of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, sin entered into our existence. The whole world was put off kilter, and that's why there's pollution and tsunamis and And that's why there's cancer, and that's why there's sin and suffering, because of the fall of man. And all of creation and we ourselves are groaning until all of this is finally dealt with, the full redemption of the sons of men. And so we look forward to that day. And when Jesus came, a piece of heaven came because he was healing people left and right. The finger of God was being revealed. God's will that we be whole and healthy was being shown. The kingdom of God was being seen. We long for that. But sometimes sin is at the base of illness. Jesus healed somebody and said, you know, and don't continue to sin or you'll be back in this same situation. So we are to confess our sins. So when I get together with the elders to pray for someone, it says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I ask all the elders, let's all take a moment to pray. Confess whatever sins we're aware of and make sure that we're standing in the righteousness of Christ. When you receive Christ, you're forgiven of all your sins and you're given the righteousness of Christ. And you're supposed to practically walk in that righteousness, but sometimes you sin and you blow it. Don't sit on that sin. Confess that sin. Repent of that sin. So we confess that sin because we want to pray righteously before God. 
We want to have a pure heart when we intercede for this fellow believer who's seriously ill. That's a beautiful thing because God hears and he heals. So physical healing is important, but spiritual healing is more important. It's more important that you have your sins forgiven through faith in Jesus Christ then you be completely healthy in every way, but yet not forgiven because you haven't confessed your sins. You've hung on to your sins. There was a, a man who got his words backwards. He meant to say to the pastor, uh, my life is full of sin, but instead he said, my sin is full of life. And that's probably more accurate because when a person's sin is more full of life, they don't want to repent. They don't want to turn from it. You've got to be willing to turn from your sin and turn to the Lord. That's called repentance. And when you repent and confess, you agree with God, sin is sin and holiness is holiness, you're forgiven of your sin. And next we see... Uh, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This is a beautiful verse. It's well-worn in my Bible, uh, figuratively and literally, because how many times have I gone to the Lord based on this promise and I've admitted I've agreed with him about certain sins in my life, and I've claimed and known that he is faithful and he is just and that he forgives me not just from a little bit of my sin, but from all my sins. He cleanses me from all unrighteousness. Haven't you had that assurance? You realize the beauty of confessing your sins. In Psalm 32, King David said, How blessed is the person who confesses their sin. He gives a personal testimony in that psalm. He says, I stuffed my sin down. I pretended it didn't happen. I rationalized it away. And you know what happened to me? I was convicted. I was miserable like the hottest day ever. And the sun just beaming down on me. And the waters were rising above my head. And I was putting my nose up to try to still breathe, and I knew I was going to drown in my sin, in the conviction of my sin. And you know what happened? I finally admitted my sin. I finally confessed and agreed with God. Yes, that's sin, and I did that. And you know what happened next? God forgave me of my sin and of the guilt of my sin. He not only forgave my sin, but he healed my damaged emotions around that I had rebelled and sinned against him. It's a beautiful thing. And therefore, I tell everybody, confess your sins while he may be found. You know, don't be like a horse that has to be guided by a bridle to know which way to turn. Love God voluntarily, not because you have to, and confess your sins and walk in integrity because that's what he wants. He wants truth in their innermost being. So that's my paraphrase of Psalm 32. And the point here is confession is bringing out of the dark our true condition. And when we bring it out of the dark, it no longer has power over us, and we invite the power of God to set us free. And I find this wonderful verse in John 3, 21, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. It's important to come into the light. And I love what it says in 1 John 1 and verse 
7, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son purifies us from all sin. So what's the solution when you have a sin-based illness? Confess! Repent! Return to the light! Let the Lord heal you spiritually, that you may be healed physically. That's part of the equation sometimes. Sometimes it has nothing to do with sin. It's uh, a health issue, and God hears our prayers. Now, James is encouraging you and me by saying, take Elijah as an example. He was a human being even as we are. You know what he's saying right there? He's saying that Elijah, who fought against 400 prophets of Baal and called down fire from heaven, and he prayed that it would not rain for three years, and it didn't rain that whole time, is exactly like you and I. He's saying there was nothing special about Elijah, as there's nothing special about you. But guess what? God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things if they will earnestly pray. So Elijah was a human being, even as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. We don't have the picture of how he prayed initially to have the rain stop, but we do have the picture of how he prayed when he asked for the rain to begin again. And that's found in 1 Kings 18, 42 to 45. So Ahab, who was king at the time, went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. And he told his servant, go and look toward the sea. And the servant went up and looked, and he said, there's nothing there. Seven times Elijah said, go back and see if there's something from the sea. And it was the seventh time that the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's fist is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. And meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose and a heavy rain started falling. And Ahab rode as fast as he could to Jezreel. This is a wonderful picture of the prayer of an earnest man. Now, some people get off track. They think it's all about the posture of prayer. That unless you're on your knees and you have your face between your knees, God's not going to hear you. Some people, the, the posture is two hands piously placed together. For some people, it's laying them laying on their face. For some people, it's kneeling. But um, as three guys were together talking about the most powerful prayer that they've ever had, a lineman said, my most powerful prayer was when I was hanging upside down, wrapped in a wire from a telephone pole, and I cried out to God, and he had someone come and get me. So it's not about posture, although posture helps. It's about the heart. You know, there's a shepherd boy out in the country, and He heard a deacon in a prayer uh, meeting praying out loud, and he marveled at this guy's uh, beautiful, eloquent prayer coming out of the open door that summer day. So he went off to pray. And it happened that the same deacon was taking a walk out in the country after church, and he heard something, and he saw this little boy. And the little boy said, A, B, C, D. And he's like, young man, what are you doing? He says, I'm praying. He says, it sounds like you're reciting the alphabet. And the little boy said, well, I'm giving God the letters of the alphabet. 
and so he could spell out what's on my heart. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is spelling out what's on your heart. And you could do it to a certain extent, and the Holy Spirit helps you with size and words too much for groans, uh, too, size and groans too much for words to communicate on your behalf according to the will of God. So God wants us to pray. Jesus said, ask and shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Matthew 7, 7. We are to pray. And we'd like to think that God will answer our prayer no matter what. A year and a half ago, Actually, now it's been uh, 20 months ago. Gaylord, Ernie, and Roger and I prayed our heart out. Not once, not twice, but many times. Laying hands on and praying for Pastor Scott Dowell, our dear friend, our fellow prayer partner, dying of cancer in his mid-50s. And we, if ever, there was fervent, earnest prayer. It was that. I lived through it. There was no doubt the faith was strong, but he still died. And that's when I had to accept God has a will. God has a purpose. God has a plan. We don't know it. We are limited in our perspective. We selfishly want to hang on to a person and say, God, I forbid you to take this person to heaven. And God says, guess what? You're not God. So we can only trust him. God may be sparing him from evils in the, that are coming down the line. God may want to give him treasures and rewards beyond anything he could experience on this earth because he wants him to say to Scott, which I'm sure he said to Scott, well done, thou good and faithful master, uh, servant. Enter into the joy of your master. And I'm sure Scott's being wonderfully, wonderfully rewarded for all eternity. And I miss my dear brother. So I'm speaking out of experience. God heals and forgives in response to earnest prayer according to his will. Now here's an interesting twist at the end that, um, if I could turn back one, James taps a uh, uh, tax on here this in verses 19 to 20 my brothers and sisters if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back remember this whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins james is saying not only should you respond with prayer when you're in trouble praise when you're happy and pray for the sick and call for the elders when you're sick but your prayers are so powerful that combined with your loving care, God can use you to turn a prodigal back to himself. Now, this is where many of you are concerned because you have kids who are adults. They were raised in the faith and now they're prodigals. Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. So we see a fellow brother or sister in Christ, and they've renounced the faith. They have deconstructed, if you will, which is the modern lingo, for they have torn apart everything they were told, and they are skeptical of everything, and they've jettisoned it out as uh, not genuine for them, and now they have no faith, or they have little faith, and practice whatever they want. You who are spiritual, who walk by the Spirit, gently restore them. Don't yell at them. Don't rebuke them. Love them. Come beside them. Pray for them. Listen to them. You know, when a person is heard, I'm going to go even bigger than that. Paul Turnier, Christian psychiatrist, said, when I was understood, then I changed. Isn't that profound? 
Many of us are seeking to be understood. No one's listening to us. But when finally someone listens to us, we see the words outside of ourselves and we're like, hey, I don't think I really believe that. And then we change. So when I was fully understood, then I changed. May we be more willing to understand than to be understood, as the prayer of Francis of Assisi goes. So I did some online research, and I found Judy Douglas wrote a book called When You Love a Prodigal. And it gives her own personal account with her son, who was wayward. And he got arrested, and he was on probation for two years. And even though that's not the best thing she wanted, it was an attention grabber. It was something that showed him, if you don't want your P's and Q's, you're going to end up in jail. And he heard the horror stories of jail life. And he didn't want any part of that. And it caused him to reflect upon his life and values, and it brought him back into the fold. Well, now she has designated June 2nd as Prayer for Prodigals Day. She has a website with over 15,000 first names of prodigals, and she's written this book, When You Love a Prodigal. I didn't realize she's, she, she was married to Steve Douglas, co-founder of Crew by Bill and Vonette Bright. It was like, cool, this is wonderful. So I just want to point this resource, resource to you. And then I found this quote. This quote says, and this is by um, Henry Nouwen, a great uh, Christian philosopher. I am the prodigal son every time I search for unconditional love where it cannot be found. Isn't that profound? So a lot of prodigals are searching. They're searching for God's unconditional love. And that's why they're so lost. Because they're substituting cheap things in place of God's love. The good news is you can always come home. Say, yes, Lord, I do come back to you. There's nothing like you and your love. I want you in my life again. I want to fully return and experience your unconditional love. Prodigal, come on home. And you can be used of God through praying for people and loving on them gently to see them turned around. James is encouraging your ministry to these individuals. So how do I summarize this? Healing and the power of earnest prayer. How would you respond to life? With prayer and praise. If we're seriously sick, what do we do? Call for the elders. And earnest prayer can raise the sick and return prodigals as God wills. The prodigal's got to be willing. God respects the free will he's given to human beings. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.